hey y'all, that was some great, great, great worship. You know, uh, in my BC days before I served in ministry when I was in the club, look, when a song came on, I'd throw my hands up. I mean, I was excited about that song, but listen, there is nothing that gets me excited. There is nothing that gets me more pumped than praise and worship. And I'd like to thank our praise and worship team here on this morning for that great, great, great time of worship with the Lord. We've reached a point in our service where we are about to enter into the Lord's Supper. This is a solemn time. It is a sacred time. This is a time where we pause and we reflect of the sacrifice and all of the great things that Jesus has done for us past, present, and future. The Bible says that on the night that he was to be betrayed, Jesus took some very common elements and gave them a very uncommon and supernatural meaning. The Bible says that on that same night that he took of the bread and gave thanks. And the Bible says that when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible would go on to say in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Everybody, lift your cups up wherever you are, in your home, in your living room, whether you're at brunch. Lift up the cup and drink and do this in remembrance of him. The Bible says that after the final supper had been given, that the disciples went and sang hymns as they went up the Mount of Olives. Now, of course, we have no Mount of Olives here in Houston, but we do have our own personal worship space. And so as you have concluded your Lord's Supper on this morning, we would ask that you would join us in unison and join us in spirit as we sing praises to God for everything he has done for us. Now, listen, we've wrapped up communion. Now, I know somebody's out there and you're saying, Minister Chris, I know you've forgotten, but we have not forgotten. You are not forgotten because guess what we have coming up now? The birthday song. <clears throat> not going to sing. Our birthday song is going to come from our very own, our very special guest soloist on this morning. And here they are to give us our birthday song for all of the August birthdays. I need all of my August birthdays to stand up wherever you are. Come on, if you're celebrating an August birthday, what, girl? I, woo, I see you. All of the August birthdays, stand up wherever you are. Ooh, yes. All right, here we go. Well, we're singing happy.
<laughs> hey, everybody, I love that birthday song. Listen, regardless of where I go, uh, you know, a lot of times people are walking up to me and they're saying, hey, man, don't you go to, don't you go to Good Hope? Don't you go to I Hope Church? I'm like, ah, yeah, I, I go there. Listen, I've got to get to the church, man, because I've got to come on my birthday because I want to hear and have your pastor sing the birthday song to me. And, you know, I, I smile because everybody loves that birthday song. Listen, for our August birthdays, we want to tell you happy birthday. We love you. God loves you. Our pastor loves you. And we celebrate you on this month. Enjoy your birthday month. Let's go to God in a word of prayer for our message on today. Father, we thank you now and we bless your name. God, thank you so much for the opportunity just to learn and to be poured into by your word. God, we pray that everything that is said and done here on this morning would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray now, God, that uh, deliverance and healing would come out of the hearing of your word and that someone would be either strengthened in Jesus or brought to Jesus out of the preaching of your word. God, thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I don't know about you all, but one of the most frustrating things for me personally is when I misplace or lose something. So I pride myself on trying to have things put in a certain order and a certain place. <laughs> I don't always get there, but I at least try. A couple of days ago, I was on my way to a meeting. Uh, it was a nine o'clock meeting. Uh, I, I knew I needed to be there a little ahead of time, and so I laid my clothes out the night before. And so I'm getting up, and I'm feeling real good about yourself. You ever got up in the morning, and you had somewhere to go, and you were feeling good about yourself because you're looking at the clock and you're making time? I was in one of those kind of vibes, right? And so I'm moving, and I got my things together, and I'm grabbing my suitcase, and I'm on the way out the door. And then I do, you know, my, my normal pat-down, and I'm patting my keys, patting my pockets for my keys. Well, keys on in my pocket. I go to my backpack. Keys on in my backpack. Go in my room. Keys on in my room. That turned into a 30, 45-minute adventure on trying to find Chris's keys. Now, I don't know if any of you all have played Where's Waldo or even know, what well, or even know who well, Where's Waldo is, but, man, trying to find my keys was like trying to play uh, Where's Waldo, right? Only I'm looking for my keys. Couldn't find my keys. Well, finally, it snapped to me. You need to look in the place where you typically put your keys. I opened the drawer, and there were my keys. And I was upset, but then I had to remember, Chris, you've been looking for the right thing, but you've been looking in the wrong place. Now, I want to share that story as a personal illustration because for many of us, we can resonate with that. We can identify with that, looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Our scripture on this morning tells us about the story of a man who finds himself looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You know, some of us in our lives today, we're searching, we are seeking, we are looking, we are praying, we are asking God to help us to find the right thing, but some of us, all of us, know the feeling of looking for the right thing in the wrong place. And so on today, I'd like to speak to you for a few brief moments from the thought of Jesus yesterday, 
today and forever. Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever. Because I want to declare to you, I want to submit to you, I want to emphatically say to you that regardless of what you're looking for, whether you were looking for it yesterday, whether you're looking for it today, or whether you'll be looking for it tomorrow, the place and the person in which you'll find everything that you need in life here on earth and in heaven can be found in Jesus Christ. Now our scripture on this morning is coming from John, the fifth chapter, verses 5 through 9. Now if you're following along with us, uh, you can turn to that in your Bible if you're on your mobile device, whether it's your computer or your smartphone or your smart TV, you can go to Bible Gateway. Put in John 5, verses 5 through 9, or you can do John 5, verses 1 through 9, and it will bring it up on the app, and you can follow along with us as we read through the Scripture. Remember, we're talking about Jesus today, Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. The first thing you want to remember is that Jesus knows where to find you in your life. Jesus knows exactly where to find you in your life. Reading from John, the fifth chapter, the Bible reads as such. And after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease which he was afflicted with. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. This is the story of a man who John says was paralyzed. By this part of John's gospel, Jesus has gone back to Jerusalem for the second time. This healing of the paralyzed man is considered by most the third sign. The third sign meaning that this was the third sign that Jesus did to signify or to certify or to let others know that he was indeed the Messiah that scripture talked about. And so Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem. And the text says that while he is in Jerusalem, he is walking through Solomon's temple, which under the temple there lay five porticos. These porticos are names for pools. And these pools were joined together by a bridge. And around these porticos or around these pools were multitudes. There were crowds. 
there were large gatherings of people who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And these people gathered around these pools because there was a common tradition that said that in these pools, an angel of the Lord would be present in the pool and that he would stir up the water. And in the stirring of the water, those who had a physical affliction would find healing. And so people would go to these pools and wait, and they would be standing in line, literally in line, waiting for an angel of the Lord to stir the pool. And this man who had been in this paralyzed state for 38 years found himself at this pool. And though he was at the pool, he still was not given the healing that he was seeking. And Jesus finds him there in this condition. Jesus knows exactly where to find you in your situation. If we were to be honest with ourselves, many of us are like this paralyzed man. We have a deep-seated need that needs to be cured and versus us going to the one who can provide the healing that we need or the hope that we need, we find ourselves going to the place where people tell us we can find our healing. You know, oftentimes in our contemporary society, there has been a conversation or multiple conversations around toxicity. And oftentimes when we talk about toxicity, we talk about toxicity from the perspective of relational toxicity. We talk about toxicity, but we talk about toxicity from the perspective or from the insight of receiving toxicity from other people. So you'll hear people say, well, that's toxic. I don't need to be in that situation or that person is toxic. But what happens when the source of your toxicity is your own attitude? This paralyzed man had a source of toxicity that had nothing to do with the people around him. Listen to me very carefully. Somebody in here, you are just like the paralyzed man. You're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You've gone to a certain place where people have told you if you go right here at the right time and you do the right thing, that what you're looking for you're going to find. And you do everything they say to do. You've gone to this place. You have positioned yourself. You are lying there waiting, and healing has escaped you. Not because you're not looking for the right thing, but you're in the wrong place. And here's the, here's the kicker. Not only are you in the wrong place, you're looking for the wrong person. This man was laying here, and there was a toxicity that he had. Look at what he tells Jesus in verse 7 when Jesus asked him, does he look to me well? Jesus says, do you wish to get well? And look at what the sick man's answer was to him. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Listen, regardless of what you're looking for, whether it was yesterday, whether it's today, or whether it's tomorrow, Jesus has everything that you're looking for. Oftentimes, we look to relationships to put into us what we have lost. But you can't find healing there. We look for professional accolades, or we look for our career to put into us what Jesus 
can put into us, what only Jesus can provide, but healing is not there. We find ourselves immobilized and paralyzed by the trauma in life. For some of us, things have happened to us in life. Unspeakable, unconscionable acts. You've suffered trauma. You've suffered abuse. You've suffered all of these many things, and you're lying there, maybe not physically paralyzed. You may be emotionally paralyzed. You're lying there, and you're looking for healing. For some of us, you're relationally paralyzed. You put everything that you had into a relationship, whether it was a business relationship or a romantic relationship or a personal relationship, and it didn't turn out the way you thought, and you've been lying in a condition for far too long. And the Bible says that this man who was physically ill was in a place where he thought healing could be provided, but the problem was is that healing is very rarely found in a place. Healing is always found in a person. And that person that is found in is in Jesus Christ. Listen, don't embrace toxicity. Don't ever put your healing in the hands of folk who are looking to be healed themselves. Have you ever heard of that saying, hurt people hurt people? Well, listen, sick people can't help sick people get healed. There was a book that I read several months ago. It was written by V. Michael McKay. And the title of the book was, I Would Help You But I'm Sick Myself. And in this book, V. Michael McKay talks about how in his time in ministry, he has poured out and wants to pour out into others, but he's in a place himself where he needs healing in that time in his life. Now, I use that book as an illustration because for many of us, we're in that situation. How are you going to pour into some, somebody something that you don't have yourself? And this paralyzed man was in a place waiting on others to do for him what they couldn't even do for themselves. And listen to what he tells Jesus. I have no man to put me in the pool. Listen, Jesus knows where you are in your situation. Somebody in here, God has been talking to you. God has been speaking to you. God has been whispering in your ear. God has been talking to you through friends and family. God is talking to you through this message. And every time Jesus is looking to give you healing, every time Jesus is looking to give you either physical restoration or spiritual restoration or emotional and relational restoration, the first thing you say to Jesus is, Jesus, I have no man to put me in the pool. But while you may not have any man to put you in the pool, you do have the God-man. And the God-man wishes to dip you, not into the pool made by man, but into himself, because out of him come rivers of living water. Jesus knows exactly where you are in your situation. And if you trust him, if you depend on him, if you put your faith into him, then everything that you need in life will be supplied by you by the master. Because the problem with this man is that he fell into the tragic trap of toxicity. How many times have we been having conversations with one another? How many times have you been having a conversation with somebody and you're trying to tell them about what Jesus can do for them and they are stuck emotionally in a place where they're unable to move? Now, listen, Jesus is there for you. Jesus wants to grab you by the hand and help you and walk with you, whether you have a physical infirmity or whether you have an emotional infirmity or whether you have a spiritual infirmity. 
And Jesus is saying to you that everyone that you have placed your trust in, everyone that you have put your confidence in, none of them can provide for you what I can. Remember, we're talking about Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. The first thing that you want to remember, the first thing that God wants you to remember is that Jesus knows exactly where to find you in your situation. Jesus knows exactly where to find you in your situation. But the second thing that he wants you to remember is that Jesus is the provider for everything that you need. Jesus is the provider for everything that you need. Look at what the text says. Verse 7, the sick man, the sick man answers to him and says, I, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before him. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. The sick man has been confronted with a very, very simple request. Very simple question. Do you wish to get well? And instead of answering the question that he had been waiting 38 long years to answer, instead of answering that question, he has been so traumatized by the moment. He has been so inflicted with pain because of the position that he had put himself in that he has been rendered unable to answer the question that Jesus said to him. Sir, do you wish to get well? Many of us, we can see our own reflection in this text. Here Jesus is in our own life through his own way, whether it's through the word of God, whether it's through preaching, whether it's through prayer, whether it is through the communication of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is asking you, do you wish to get well? And instead of you saying, Jesus, I wish to get well. Jesus, I want you to make me whole. Jesus, I want you to guide and to mold and to shape me and to help me in areas where I have been injured by hurt. Instead of us answering that question, what do we do? Many of us are like the paralyzed man. We focus not on Jesus and not on the master in front of us, but we focus on the people that were around us. Because if we were to be honest with ourselves, the paralyzed man put more faith in people helping him than he did the master. Listen, I'm not against getting help from people. God places people in our lives as a blessing. But never put the confidence in people that you should put in Jesus. Somebody out here, you're standing here, you're listening here, you're sitting here right now. Something's been going on in your life, and Jesus has been asking you, do you wish to get better? Do you wish to get well? Do you wish to be made whole? Do you wish to be holistic in your life? Do you want peace? Do you want understanding? Do you want a peace that will surpass all understanding? And instead of us focusing on what Jesus is asking us, we're too busy focusing on what somebody else didn't do. And what I'm saying to you on this morning is that in God you can be released from that. That your codependence on others can be reshifted into full dependence into Jesus Christ. Now this man was so focused on what had happened to him that he was not focused on what was happening to him. Somebody in here, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus is in your face right now. Jesus is talking to you. 
Somebody may say, well, hey, Pastor Chris, hey, Minister Johnson, look, I know Jesus. I'm a believer. Listen, I'm already well. Well, listen, you may be well, but Jesus wants you to get better. Somebody else, you may not know Jesus. You may be flipping through the World Wide Web. You may not even be familiar with our church. You just happen to see someone preaching, and God has had you stop. And here's why he's had you stop. Do you wish to be made well? Are you willing to put the facilitation of your physical healing, your emotional healing, your relational healing, your financial healing, and your cultural healing, are you willing to put that in the hands of Jesus? You know, one of the tragic traps of toxicity is that a lot of times we give power to people who never had the power at all. Listen to me. Somebody here on today, God wants to free you from that toxicity. God wants to free you from the codependence that you have placed in others that really should have been in him. Put your hand in the master's hand. Trust Jesus. Listen, nothing will change your life than when Jesus Christ comes into your life. You think you're vibing. Now, you ain't vibing until you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because just like the paralyzed man, Jesus has a very simple question for you. Do you wish to be made well? Now, here's what's interesting. Unlike the healing of the blind man in Mark 2, where the blind man sought out Jesus, Jesus sought out this man. In Mark 2, that story, for those who may not be familiar, Jesus is in Capernaum, and he's in Capernaum, and he is healing, and there's a blind man, and the blind man is brought to Jesus, and Jesus heals the man because he had a measure of faith. But there's a slight nuance in John 5 with this paralyzed man. The text doesn't say about whether he had faith on the front end. But the text says that the faith that he didn't have on the front end was covered by the grace that Jesus had on the front end and the back. What am I saying? Somebody out there, God's grace is on the front end of your life and on the back end of your life. Well, I don't know Jesus. I ain't a churchgoer. I don't know all the Bible. You may not have any of that, but God's grace and God's mercy is enough to keep you. God's grace and God's mercy is enough to restore you. God's grace and God's mercy is the very reason why he sent Jesus to come talk to you this very day in your living room. Remember, we're talking about Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. Remember, one, Jesus knows exactly where you are in your life. Jesus knows exactly where you are in your life. The second thing, Jesus knows exactly what to provide for you in your life. And the third thing is, once Jesus touches you, you will never be the same again. Once Jesus touches you, you will never be the same again. Well, the scripture tells us that the blind man was not only healed, but Jesus gave him a very, very direct command. Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. The man began to feel mobilization in his limbs. He was able to walk and exercise his digits and move around. And the same folk who had seen this man in his convalescent state saw him walking, and they wanted to know, how did you walk? Who healed you? Who put you in this condition where you are now mobile, where you were once now immobile? 
And the man who didn't know Jesus at all said, a man healed me. What am I saying? Listen, as God begins to move in your life, as God continues to move in your life, as God continues to heal you, there are some folk who go on to know, how did you even get there? And the key to that is you trust in Jesus and just getting up, picking up your pallet and walk. Now, for the paralyzed man, it was picking up his pallet and leaving. For somebody else, it is divorcing yourself of toxic thinking. For somebody else, it is separating yourself from a crowd or a group of people who don't have your best intentions in mind. For somebody else, it is coming to the full realization that you can't fight with God no more. Your arms are too short to box with God. You can't do that anymore. Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Because here's what you're going to realize. That same pallet that you used to lay on, God has now turned that into a mobile pool pit. See, when you get up and you start walking, you are now a walking billboard for God. You are now a testimony for God. God is now being given glory because of your situation. Listen, everything that God wanted to do was on display in this man in this specific chapter. Get up. Get up. Get up. Somebody out there say, get up. God doesn't want you to stay in that same place. Get up. Listen, and don't just get up. Stay up. And don't just stay up. Walk. Walk. Because as Christians, what separates us the most from the world is not how we dress. It's not how many Bible scriptures we have. It's not a big fancy church. It's not how well we preach. What separates us more than anything outside of our love and our faith in Jesus Christ is our walk with him. Because the paralyzed man might not have realized that the biggest testament to his healing was not so much his presence, it was him walking. Because folk had already put him in a place where they thought he would never walk again. Listen to me, somebody. Somebody has already written you off. They've already said, she ain't going to walk again. He ain't going to bounce back from losing his job. He's not going to get over that breakup. She's not going to get over that divorce. They're not going to bounce back from that breakdown. Hey, whatever happened to him was so traumatic, they're going to stay in that place. But God has news for you on Sunday morning that if you place your faith in him, you can get up and walk again. Because the same God, the same Jesus who could heal and provide restoration on yesterday is the same God and the same Jesus who can provide restoration on today is the same God and the same Jesus who can provide restoration forevermore. And if you don't remember anything from this text, remember that Jesus is the same yesterday, Jesus is the same today, and Jesus is the same forever. And the genesis of your healing doesn't start in a place the genesis of your healing starts in a person, and it starts in the person of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we bless your name on this morning, and we say thank you. God, thank you for a, a, a Jesus, and thank you for a God, and thank you for a master who loves us so much that we don't always have to go to him, that through his grace and his mercy, he finds us. God, all of us in some way are in a paralyzed state. All of us in some way are in a convalescent state. God, many times we find ourselves immobilized by life. We find ourselves caught up on, 
hurts and hang-ups and things that have, made, have happened in our past. Some of it has nothing to do with anything we have done. Some of it has things to do with others that other people have done. But whatever it is, God, you are the one who can help us in our hurts and our hang-ups. God, thank you that in this message we realize, God, that not only physical restoration is available to us, but spiritual restoration is available. Because, God, in this message we realize that the paralyzed man's biggest obstacle was not his physical condition, but it was the toxicity of the limitation of his spiritual understanding of who you were and who you are. God, free us from that. Release us from that. God, release whoever is listening in their living rooms or wherever they are this morning. Release them from those limitations, God. And God, help them to be spiritually, financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, culturally mobilized again. God, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now listen, we want to thank you for uh, joining us today uh, with our message. Listen, for someone out there, you may be interested in learning more about Jesus Christ, or you may be interested in joining our church. We want to offer to you an invitation to salvation. We ask that you would go to our website, goodhope.org. There is a tab there that says, I want to join church. And then there is another prompt that says, I want to know more about Jesus. If you go to our website, goodhope.org, and click on those prompts, there's a message from our senior pastor, Dr. D.Z. Cofield. It's a personalized message, and he wants to speak directly to you right where you're at. Listen, God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in all of us. And so I want to tell you, have a wonderful week, a great day. And remember, God loves you. Our church loves you. Our senior pastor loves you. Take care. Have a blessed week. God bless.